Welcome to VR Hermits, a podcast about virtual reality development. I'm Joe Simpson. And I'm Dave Ramsey. How's it going, Joe? Pretty good, Dave. How's it going? Doing pretty good. Just uh, flipping the intro over today for some reason. Uh, so before we dive into our topics, um, we've got a lot to talk about with the Vive Pro announcement and a, a project I call Stupid Bowling that I've been working on and uh, a couple other topics. I wanted to do a quick uh, pleading, if that's the right word, um, pleading to the dear listener. I know, dear listener, we don't address you directly very often, but if you're listening to this podcast and you enjoy listening to this podcast, please go to iTunes or your podcast player of choice and leave us a review and share the podcast on social media or tell your friends about it, whatever you can do to help us get it out there. Uh, we've been doing this for about 10 months and uh, we've made some progress along the way, but I think as we get more and more into detailed development topics, I think we have more and more value to share with the community. And I want to make sure that other developers who want to get into this space have access to our thoughts and uh, experiences along the way. So please uh, help us spread the word. Was that too pleading, Dave? I, I would have more used the word plea rather than okay. plead. But yes, that's perfect. Thank you. Okay. Anyway, uh, what's going on with you? Uh, I have been caught up in fascinating work problems in the last week. Fun. I've got this this weird problem where if somebody gives me something really, really interesting to think about, it will eat my entire brain. Oh, I know. And it can totally distract <laughs> me from anything else really, really interesting that I'm messing with. It wasn't um, too long ago I sent you a link to a YouTube video that ruined you for a month. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Um, in this particular, call, okay. I think, I think they call that nerd sniping. Oh, is that what it is? Uh -huh. <laughs> I didn't realize there was a term for it, but good. Um, in this particular case, I'm looking into how to convey the structure and syntax of code to, uh, non-sighted students mm -hmm. and, just digging into what's available tech wise and how things get pronounced. And I found a nice list of variant pronunciations for um, all the different little bits of punctuation. And mm -hmm. I think my favorite is the little at symbol, like in emails and Twitter feeds and things like that. A little at symbol. Mm -hmm. Snadle or schnadle? No, somebody calls that a bear claw. A bear claw. And it's totally a bear claw. If you look at it, it's, it looks like a Danish. Yeah, I'm not going to unsee that. <laughs> huh. Um, so, yeah. So that's been fun and fascinating and brain-wracking. And unfortunately, that has left me with not a huge amount of time to play with the VR stuff as much as I yeah. might like. Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting problem to think about. I wonder what kind of research has been done and what kind of... like. You explained a little bit of like the background of the product to me. We don't need to go into that here, but I I can't think this is the first time this has been done, or I certainly hope not. Um, so I wonder what's out there that you could find of like, I don't know. There's just somebody has to have made attempts at this problem. Uh, it, it appears so, and 
right now the biggest problem that I'm having is actually finding exactly what non-sighted programmers use to write code in. Mm-hmm. Like, how do they actually write code without just memorizing every single keystroke? Like, how do they debug their code is probably the better answer. You've got to yeah. review what's there, see what's going on, and fix it and move forward. And I can't, I haven't been able to yet figure out exactly what tools or processes or technologies that are being used for that. So that's kind of the final piece that I need. Uh, and that may provide some input, but I don't have that answer yet. So hopefully soon. Yeah. Yeah. Keep us posted on that one because it's a, a pretty cool problem to tackle. So what have you been working on, Joe? Well, I have been working on a stupid bowling game. Um, it's called Stupid Bowling, but we'll come to that in a <laughs> second. I wanted to get your reaction on an announcement that came this week. So earlier this year, Vive announced that they would be releasing a Vive Pro. They didn't say much about it, and then they opened. They would uh, announced the price this week and opened for pre-orders. I think it launches April something something. As soon as I saw the price, I disregarded the date. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's it's a bit steep in my opinion. The headset only um, doesn't work without you know the first generation. Uh, trackers and controllers. So you already have to have those or you have to buy those separately. So just the headset only is launching at $800, which is a bit steep. Like that's the initial launch price of the Vive. That is the price that I paid when I got my Vive. Mm-hmm. But it also came with the tracking centers and the controllers. And um, I don't recall seeing the price of the bundle. I'm guessing it'll be over 1000 when they launch the bundle for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with that announcement, they also had a little bit of good news that the current Vive is lowering in price to 500 and I think it still comes with Fallout 4, which is a pretty awesome deal. So if you've been holding off on getting a Vive, now is a good time because they're getting pretty cheap. Um, but yeah, what are your, what's your reaction to the $800? Are you going to go buy one? Not immediately. Um, and part of that is because I have become pretty heavily focused on liking my wireless, or at least trying to like my wireless. Not yeah. that I love my wireless, but I still really want to like the wireless, and it's still pretty decent in a lot of ways. What I'm waiting for at this point is, at minimum, to see what their wireless strategy really looks like. like yeah. They're saying later we're going to be releasing the wireless adapter, but I want to know how all that fits together. And now that I've played with a wireless thing, I want to know exactly how it's communicating, what kind of uh, additional external things I have to have, and also where the battery pack goes. Um, and that hmm. may or may not... Like, if it becomes a completely self-contained headset unit where, where there's a battery pack somehow attached to your head... And that's got the wireless, and that wireless actually works well. Yeah, I, that that may be enough to put me over the edge, but it's yeah. also going to depend. I'm not sure that's going to be less than a thousand dollars. Yeah, it'll be inter- interesting to see how they, what kind of bundles they come up with. Like, is there is there a wireless bundle that includes the tracking stations and 
controllers? Is it like, like they're, they're really billing this as a pro device. So is there going to be like a, a bundle that's full of Vive trackers and controllers? Like I need, you know, half a dozen trackers and two controllers and two base stations and the wireless thing. Throw that all in a box and what's that? $2,000? Yeah, I don't know that I need half a dozen trackers. Not that you know of. Well, one, one, maybe two. I would totally play with. There, there was a couple of uh, dancing demos that I saw that used trackers on the feet. I'm like, that's getting me pretty close to buying some of those. But I don't need them. I don't need them. I, I really want to play with it for accurately modeling external objects. Mm-hmm. You know, making my own controllers effectively. Yeah. Um, I've I've got an idea for playing with a glass blowing simulator. So oh, that'd just be cool. Put the tracker onto like a broomstick, and then. <laughs> <laughs> or... oh, I just I just want to see like the double camera view of this, like the VR version and then the real version. <laughs> <laughs> like just make the you know the real world look as pathetic as possible. <laughs> That's not the way that works. You make it look as awesome as possible. Um, when you're doing it with the... So if you do it with a full-size broomstick, you've got to worry about hitting other things in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you... I wonder if you can make it work with like a three-foot-long broomstick. <laughs> um, but if you ever spend much time watching glass blowers, those sticks get flung around, and I've also got to figure out how to capture when somebody blows in the end of, the, of a stick. Um, so maybe that'll be the thing that gets me into playing with something like an Arduino. Hmm. So I can notice air pressure or something like that and kick a signal in because my understanding is the trackers can do that. There's a limited capacity for um, telling the tracker to do something. Hmm. Cool. Um, kind of like the like a trigger button. You know, some ability to have some kind of input that actually wires into the tracker. So when they're using the trackers for, um, like with the AR-15 kits, mm-hmm. so that for the, in some of the uh, hotel big installation kind of things, they've got heavyweight futuristic gun type things built on a larger frame. And they've got a tracker attached to it. And one of the things that they can make work with that is uh, trigger pulls. So the pulling the trigger tells the tracker that you just pulled the trigger and the tracker takes care of the translation. Hmm. That's my understanding. I haven't gotten to play with one yet. Um, I've still got some skills to learn before I'm ready to do that. Cool. Yeah, that's, that's pretty... I didn't know the trackers were that advanced. I, I'm not sure how many different pipelines you've got for data there. I mean, even one opens up a lot of possibilities. Oh, yeah. My understanding is there is at least one. So, as far as the price of this headset, anyway, um, it's it's too steep for me. Mm-hmm. And I'm the person who buys, who's bought five headsets. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, it's especially... Like, I, I have a headset that's almost the same resolution, and the tracking 
may not be as great, but it can go anywhere. Right. So it's just like, I just don't, I don't see it happening anytime soon. I'm sure I will get one at some point and maybe they'll do some promotion over the summer or next year in the fall, something like that when it's much, much cheaper. Or a Christmas uh, sale. They've done a lot of those. Yeah. Something like that. Like if they, if they bundle it with enough software, that's, that's one thing that kind of bugs me. They, they've got really mixed messaging on this release. So they're, they're trying to make it sound like a pro product, but they're still bundling it with Fallout 4. Like, okay, <laughs> bundle it with some professional software. Like, there's some really good stuff out there for 3D modeling and music creation, things like that. Like, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. Right. Um, and then the other thing is, like, even right in the demo, like, or right in the email he sent me, the the headset clearly is only available by itself you don't get the whole kit you have to buy everything else separately but they're still talking about start your vr journey today I'm like you basically can't start your vr journey without with that headset unless you have one of the the current ones or you're crazy enough to buy the trackers and uh controllers separately which i think is even more expensive than yeah it's just kind of yeah, I wonder how many people are going to buy that headset and not fully realize that it's going to cost them another 250 to 300 bucks to mm-hmm. be able to do anything with it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, and, how, and not to mention how many people are going to sell their first generation headsets without the accessories and how many people are going to be gullible enough to buy those. Oh, man. Yeah. So, yeah. I have no problem with having like a high-end professional grade headset or just a high-end like option in the market. I think that's a good thing to have. And it looks like this headset is pretty great, but HTC has not exactly proven themselves to be like the high-end company so far. Like they're not acting that way. They're not providing stellar support. They're providing dreadful customer support in my experience and from a couple other people that I know of. And it's just like really mixed messaging around the marketing. It's just like... I don't know. It just seems awful. It just seems crappy. Let me let me also suggest that, particularly on your high end headset, or particularly as the thing that gets included with a high end headset, I'm not sure that Fallout Four is anybody's optimal first VR experience. No, definitely not. Um, not from the sounds of it. A, it's very complicated. But B, it's 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 a fascinating VR experience, but it is doesn't have the level of let's say vr polish that something like the lab has Mm -hmm. i mean granted they can still get the lab for free but the the amazing experiences that came out of the lab are going to give you a much better idea of what vr is capable of fallout is almost still aspirational it's like, this is what we're trying to do and not quite getting there yet, but this is the direction we're going. And that's really interesting and I appreciate the input and I appreciate the effort, but that's not the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 just a, a weird set of messaging and marketing and just, not, like, I'm no genius at this stuff myself, but I, I know how to feel like... Hey, this is a really stupid email. Like I know how to develop that opinion when I see one. But anyway, enough of that topic. Hopefully, uh, they don't take too much heat for it, and maybe maybe they take just enough heat that they change their price. But uh, yeah, I don't think we're alone in 
thinking this is a bit high. I think other people have had much stronger reactions than we have. Mm. Um, just parts of the internet aren't as friendly as we are on VR Hermits. So anyway, I uh, we talked the other day um, in episode 34 about me developing some prototype games, some, some mini games, things like that for a portfolio. And one of those that I was going to start on first was the, I guess what I'm calling stupid bowling, because I d didn't want to spend any time naming anything. That's the first <laughs> thing that came into mind. Um, and uh, so I worked on that. I had a previous project where I, I worked on a couple of basic things last week. And then for some reason, trying to reopen that project, I'm getting this really weird error from Steam VR particularly that the headset needs to be connected to the headset is connected to the wrong video card like no it's not and every other unity project i have works fine and every steam vr app works just fine it's just this one project there's something something got corrupted when i closed it too fast or maybe i closed the laptop without closing the project or something like something got corrupted with it and it's stupid and bad and i it was there wasn't enough work in there to justify me spending any time like trying to figure out what the clause was. It's like, well, I'll just make a new project. So I started over from scratch yesterday morning, and um, you had a chance to try it today, and I want to get your opinion in just a second. But before that, I wanted to get a paint a picture of what's there now. So I spent about six and a half hours on it yesterday. I uh, did most of the work. I actually did all of the work at the co-working place. So I just walked there early in the morning and basically worked on it until I was tired and hungry and went home, which is more and more how I work nowadays. <laughs> um, so what's there now as far as, as far as the user's concerned, a really bland scene where you can stand on a gray square and not fall through the endless world. It's just the default Unity skybox. And then there is a bowling lane in front of you that's made out of a really long cube and uh, a couple of really bad gutters and then there's a a placeholder for a ball return where there's just two balls sitting there and there's a reset button and obviously there's pins at the end of the lane so i guess with that description in mind i also post a link to a, a youtube video where i did a quick recap of the day um, towards the end of the day yesterday so if you want to see what it's like so before i go into the development aspects i wanted to get your opinion on what you see so far uh i like it i mean it's it's a solid first step the biggest issue with it at this stage is honestly in some ways very very tiny mm -hmm. and it's minor issues with the physics mm -hmm. um in certain ways having to do with like the relative mass of a bowling ball versus a pin and the um just just nothing moves quite right but it's really close yeah <laughs> like if you've if you haven't looked at bowling in a while even a slow moving ball will slam pins out of the way um, it is the irresistible force, and the pin is not the immovable object. Um, yeah, with, like they weren't they weren't flying away in my test cases. They were just 
they seem to fall fairly naturally. So I wonder if you're seeing something differently. No, no, no. What I'm suggesting is they should go flying away. Oh, okay. If that ball is moving with any kind of real velocity, the pins just disappear in its path. Um, or or should mm-hmm. I'm talking about real bowling? I mean, in in my experience, real bowling being a relatively small and weak person, uh-huh. that's about as as well as I can knock the pins over. <laughs> okay, but uh, yeah, I have a tendency a to take things. a heavier ball. Yeah, I don't. Um, and I'm not really slamming it down the lane, but it's got a decent amount of velocity. Um, but if you clip the edge of a pin, it goes sailing. Like it's airborne. Um, so I need to, I've got, uh, rigid bodies on the pins, mm-hmm. obviously, so they can interact with each other. So I need to reduce their mass quite a bit, at least, and kind of play with that and see how it feels. I think what might help is maybe a bouncy material, a bouncy physics material on the pins, not on the ball, but on the pin might help with, with that effect as well. Like give them some extra force when they collide with something. Some of the weird, like on the same topic of the physics thing, some of the weird part right now, like I don't have any mechanism to remove the pins after the first ball, like a real bowling lane, you throw the first ball, the machine comes down, removes the knocked over pins, but keeps the standing ones. I don't have that right now. So there've been several times where like I bowled a couple of pins down, I go for the spare and the ball just runs into one of the pins on its side and like gets different in another direction. Like, Hey, I want to have that. (laughs) I believe the technical term for that is clearing dead wood. Yeah. I am not clearing dead wood. Yes. Um, as a matter of fact, most of the bowling lanes will do that automatically after each ball. Mm-hmm. Um, though there is yeah. also often a button on the console for doing it manually if it cleared dead wood and missed something or something like that. Yeah, I think I just need a uh, a collision volume towards the end of the lane that can just detect when a ball comes through and just maybe start a co-routine to like play a quick animation to to do that process. It doesn't even have to be that animated at this point. It could just be like, okay, despawn these objects and mm-hmm. keep the ones that are standing up. So I, I think I would have to test, the, like loop through the pins in the scene right now and test which ones are oriented correctly. Mm-hmm. Like who's still facing up and then everybody else goes away. Yep. Yeah, um, but, but I mean that was that was relatively minor. I I'm always every time I go bowling, which is really not often, um, mm-hmm. I'm always surprised at kind of how long the lanes are. Yeah, and so I don't know if you were using like actual metrics for how long a lane is supposed to be or how wide a lane is supposed to be. Yes, um, I use I use real measurements on that stuff. Okay. Um, in the pin, the pins may be a little bit too wide around the wide part. I think that's the only thing I, I'm okay. off on right now. Um, as I stepped up to the virtual lane, the lane felt a little narrow and a little wide, but it always feels like that the first time I go bowling after a long period of time with physical bowling. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's not a thing, but yeah, grab the ball, fling it down. I grabbed one of the balls and just toss it off the side and it falls off into nothing. Mm-hmm. It's lovely. Um, 
So, so, the, so there the, isn't. I'll go the, ahead. The next thing that I think would make one of the biggest impacts to how it feels, I think, will end up being sound. Absolutely, yeah. That's on my topics on the list of topics to talk through some ideas after okay. we do this quick review. But yeah, I wanted to pick your brain on how to handle sound. Be a sound and a little bit of haptics with the ball would be nice too. Um, just like a little bit of haptics when you pick the ball up, a little bit when you release the ball would be nice. Uh-huh. Things like that. None of that was obviously going to make it into the day one stuff. Ooh, how about a little bit of haptics? You can't really get... I don't know if you'll get decent haptics when you're swinging the ball, but the ball is, as you're holding it in your hand, it is resistant to rotation. Mm-hmm. So what if you gave it a little bit of haptic when your wrist moves? Hmm, okay. So you can kind of feel, because that was always one of my biggest problems playing, say, uh, Wii Bowling, is noticing when the system thought my wrist was rotating on my release. Because I'd throw what I thought was a perfectly smooth throw, and um, it would pick up spin. Yeah. So it would have some left ways rotation and it would just veer off of where i wanted it to be so that, that's something else to touch on with the balls and the controller right now there is no snapping to the controller so you can uh collide with the ball and pick it up anywhere wherever the controller happens to be when you pick it up and you can you can actually do some really cool stuff that way but it's <laughs> it's a cool bug not a feature yeah, um, it was a little goofy because I, if I wasn't quite where I wanted to be when I picked up the ball, it would, um, it would be kind of hanging off in a weird spot. And am mm-hmm. I correct that the controller disappears once you pick up the ball? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's just I'm using the uh, contrary to what I thought I was going to do. I'm using the interaction system from the Steam VR instead of the. Uh, camera rig prefab and it, it's just got that behavior built in i'm sure there's a checkbox to turn it off i just haven't done okay. that um yeah it did there was a weird feeling to as i swung the ball it was obvious that the ball was not properly centered mm-hmm. on my hand um yeah i think that the best thing to do is give it make a like a cartoon low poly hand kind of like the one in the solitaire vr game and then have those fingers snap into position on the ball where the three holes go. That way you could kind of, it would look balanced. It would, it, I think that would feel about right. I'd have to make, make sure those hands kind of map correctly to the different kinds of controllers. Cause I played it yesterday while I was developing all on the Samsung Odyssey and those weird controllers. And then I played this morning for like 45 minutes in the Vive and it's way easier with the Vive controllers. This game is is kind of hard with just the way that the mixed reality controllers are more at an angle. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to feel like, what is forward here? Where with the Vive controller, it's like really clear, like, oh, this is how I bowl with this. So I need to do some thinking with that. Hmm. So let's back up for a second and talk about the lane. Okay. Uh, so the lane is a Unity cube that I made really long and really thin. So, and then so I, not a cube? Yeah. <laughs> but it's a cube object. Yes. It started as a cube. And then uh, I added a physics material to that and gave it just a little bit of a slipperiness. So before I did that, 
it was a little bit too realistic of like the ball just kind of like oh you're gonna roll me well i'm sick of rolling now so i'm gonna slow down like no no no, you don't slow down you keep going mm -hmm. so that physics material helped out a lot there's a in the sandbox scene i've got two other balls um the version that i posted yesterday only has the red balls which just have a regular physics material nothing nothing customized about them one of them had a more bouncy material and one of them had a more slippery material and you could do some cool stuff with those um so that's the lane i started with bumpers because bumpers were easy i just dragged out some cylinders and mm -hmm. made them the size of the gutters and that came up with some pretty cool stuff i was bowling strikes all day with bumpers <laughs> And, uh, and then at one point I needed to replace the bumpers with gutters and that's when I had to uh, bring ProBuilder into the project. And I'm trying to do this as much as possible without third-party assets. So what I did was build the gutters and the pins in ProBuilder and then just export out a asset object so that I don't actually have to keep ProBuilder in the project. So if you go download the copy from the repo, you should be able to do everything without ProBuilder installed. The current gutters that are in there today are still referencing ProBuilder, so that might break, but I'll replace that with a better object this week. The, the current gutters are pretty sloppy. Like there's, there's not enough division between each kind of segment of the gutter, and okay. there's not really any smoothing. Um, but they're, you know, they're functional. They don't need to be that great. So the pins were the, um, I start, with the pins themselves, I started with cylinders and just set up 10 of them at the end of the lane and threw some rigid bodies and colliders on them. And then I replaced those with ProBuilder pins. So I started with a cylinder and ProBuilder and just kind of mocked up a quick pin shape. They look fine from far away. If you get too close to them, you're like, oh yeah, that's kind of messed up. Um, but from where you're standing, they look fine. And then, uh, trying to think what else. The pin layout was kind of cool. But I'm sure there are better ways to do this, and I'll probably come up with a better way to do this as I go. But basically, I, I had a little graphic of like where I wanted the pins to be. I threw that in Unity, put it on a plane, sized it to the size that I wanted it to be, and then I... I dragged in or created 10 empty game objects um, and dragged them into the position where they should be on that little map. And then I can just position that entire parent object wherever I want and use those 10 game objects or empty game objects as the transforms for where the pins should spawn, which gives me some pretty neat stuff I can do. Like I can, I can make a whole stack of those if I want and just like, here is a a tower of bowling pins sitting on top of each other. Go. Um, <laughs> so that gives me some pretty neat stuff to do with that. And then the reset button was what I worked on towards the end of the day. And so there's no game manager yet. There's no scorekeeping. There's no pin removal. Um, currently it's just throw the ball and then clean up your own mess. And... So I give you a reset button, and it's really, really sloppy and kludgy to the point where it just despawns all the game objects that are currently there and respawns new ones. 
Like I'm not even reusing stuff yet, which I need to kind of uh, change that entire class around to call. I, I thought about maybe like a, I don't know if I want to re like animate the pin standing back up would be kind of cool. Um, the ball return is actually no, no big deal because when the ball flies through the lane at the other end, it can, uh, when the ball flies through the lane at the other end, it can just, you know, kind of go into a holding place somewhere. I, I can have it hit a collider and just, you know, reposition that directly under the lane and then have that animate through the ball return at, at some point. The pins themselves, maybe they should get knocked out of the way or just, you know, disabled, just move somewhere where you can't see them. I don't know. And then I don't know if I want to animate them like popping back in from above, like the machine, or if I want to do something less realistic, like they all just stand back up where they are. <laughs> It'd be kind of cool. So you're not beholden to reality or physics? Oh, no. Especially so like th this entire scene is just the the building blocks for the totally unrealistic bowling that I'm about to make for the rest of the week. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it might be fun to, I mean, one of the things that you could play with as far as variations go might include things like exploding pins. Oh yeah. Exploding well, balls. Um, have the pins teleport in or extrude from the floor. Mm -hmm. A little, Wow, that would be fun. Like a little 3D printer comes out and prints a new pin. Or a, like, bowling pin mitosis. <laughs> okay, you got me. <laughs> Cellular mitosis on bowling pins. Absolutely. Yeah. You get a bowl really fast or they're going to spread. Oh, see? New variant. Um, I also thought of another variant while you were talking, which is the one thing that I've always wanted the ability to do when bowling is I would throw a ball and then you stand there making hand gestures to try and get the ball to move where you want it to go as it goes down the Ooh, lane. Yeah, you that would be really satisfying. <laughs> or no, not hand gestures. Do it based on, because I lean. I will lean physically left or right. So make the ball, just give it a tiny bit of extra force for where the headset's leaning. <laughs> Post-throw English is what you're getting there. Just like, get, get over, get... Oh, yeah, man, that'd be a blast. Um, <laughs> when you were talking about uh, pin shapes, I sent you an image in the Skype chat of uh, can uh, candle pins, hmm. which yeah, is a, a New England bowling variant. Um, it's been a big thing up there for many years. I can't tell if those pins are really, really big or that ball really, really small. So... The pins are not all that much bigger, taller than normal that I know of. That ball is much smaller. So it's about grapefruit sized. Yeah. And it has no holes. Um, we used to play so, like, that as a kid when we would go to visit grandma in Maryland. We'd duck out and go throw some some grapefruit balls which yeah, is when you're like six is easier than handling a, a real ball with holes and not taking your fingers off yeah 
And I know there's like a, a Canadian variant to bowling that we saw at a user group a couple of years ago. Uh, one, a guy who developed a pretty sophisticated FileMaker solution to run a, a bowling company. And they had the regular American flavor of 10-pin bowling, but they also had this, I think it was like 8-pin with a smaller ball. Okay. It looked like a much harder game, kind of a more satisfying game. But uh, yeah, one thing I noticed, like the, the red ball, because it doesn't have any bounty material on it and it's pretty heavy, um, you can throw it overhand and then it will land on the lane and just roll. So I was thinking about maybe just throw a basketball hoop in there, like <laughs> throw it through the hoop and then bowl. Some you know little little quirks like that. Hey. Like there's like I spent six hours on this yesterday and I've had dozens of ideas today. Just like there's so many things I could do with this. This is just like a. A simple game mechanic you can do so much with and like yeah i i don't know i need to whittle a list down to you know short and manageable but if this if this is the kind of thing that makes it to steam i'd have like two years worth of downloadable content for people oh sure just keep coming up with weird variants mm -hmm. um eventually when we unlocked enough stuff in we bowling about the only thing we played was the bumper bowling with the like hundred pins. Did you ever see that variant? No. They set up like a hundred pins in a huge triangle. Nice. And you just plow a ball right into that and it's just a wave going down and yeah. it was so satisfying. <laughs> yeah, I think like... I think having power-ups for the balls to do different types of things, like the explosive ball that you mentioned, mm -hmm. but I also think having like certain pins that maybe you can't tell visually, but certain pins have special abilities, like one out of every 50 pins has a, a massive collider to both sides of it. So you can hit it, but nothing's going to go past it. <laughs> like The ball will just bounce off. And maybe, maybe you hit that once and the collider despawns or something. But Super dense pins, so you have to hit the pins at the top rather than the bottom mm -hmm. to knock yeah. them over. <laughs> Which is going to be pretty tricky. My, my brain was playing with the concept of a strike in bowling versus a strike in baseball. So what you've got is like a batter standing there ready to swing and a little target area. And you got to throw the ball through the target area. And you can get two strikes on a single throw if you get it in the right spot where the batter can't hit it. But then it also knocks down all ten pins. That's two strikes in one throw. Nice. There was too much sports in that for me to understand what you're talking about. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, the, the biggest problem there will be selecting what to actually leave in mm -hmm. and having something that you can show people and be proud of before you make 80 variants. Yeah, there's a, like, there's a growing list of things to do with it. And this is just a silly side project level idea, so... Mm -hmm. It's, it's It was a bit of a confidence booster after being stuck on other problems for a while. I was like, hey, I can actually make progress and do things. Like, Maybe I'm not wasting the last year of my life. So other things I want to do, like the code is pretty minimal right now. There's really not a whole lot of code. There's basically a little class on the reset button 
and another class on the reset mechanism. So there's just an empty game object that holds a reference to a class. And that class has some public variables for the pin and ball prefabs, as well as some public arrays for transforms for the spawn points. So like the 10 spawn points on mm-hmm. the reset thing and then the two spawn points on the on the ball return thing. So all of that is pretty sloppy. Like I just wanted to get it up and running. Um, so I need to refactor that into something more intelligent. So, you know, for like, take for example, the, the pin layout. So there's a, a game object called the pin layout that has those 10 transforms as child objects for where the pins should spawn. I think the that object itself should have a class on it with a public method that you can call and say, you know, respawn pins, and then they can just respawn pins. And then maybe the game manager object or the reset manager, whatever, whatever I end up calling it, that can still look for things to, um, to despawn if necessary, or maybe, uh, maybe the, well, I'm thinking through this as we go. If I put the despawning or respawning mechanism on the layout, I need to figure out how to associate set pins with a set layout because I, there are variants of this where I want to add multiple layouts to a scene, but have them behave separately, if that makes sense. Kinda. So maybe every every yeah, I can probably just solve it with pooling then. Pin, pool all the pins in one big pool, and then the pin layouts can call that pool to get objects to respawn or reposition on its layout as needed. So unless you need to make like a thousand pins, spawning pins is something that I'm not sure you even need to bother pooling. Honestly, because there may be some use cases with thousands of pins. Okay. Then that's, that's fine. I I was just thinking through the problem and going, you know, when I, when it's the end of the frame, I've got a third of a second between frames. Like it's not Mm -hmm. going to be a problem to have the game take a moment and just make the number of pins that I need. But yeah, if you need, you know, a couple thousand pins, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to create those once and not have to worry about it. Maybe I need like a pin particle emitter. <laughs> Just like a, a guy at the end of the lane with a hose <laughs> spraying pins out. I was also thinking so, about speed bowling where the dead wood is cleared and the pins reset basically as fast as the balls exit the mm-hmm. area. And so you can start going ball, 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 and bowl an entire game in like 15 seconds. Yeah, particularly if you can respawn the balls right in your hand. Yep. Or, uh, yeah, there actually is an object like that already in the interaction system where you can just like keep respawning an object off of a template. Mm-hmm. That's how the arrows work. Well, that's so what I ended up thing. doing with my cube thrower. Yeah. Just hold the trigger and I'll... And a cube appears in your hand. 
release the trigger, it lets go. That's the extent. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I think we've established that there's a lot of ideas for this. Yeah. So uh, let's quickly touch on the audio thing because I'm trying to figure out how to handle that. So there are at least three main sound effects. There's probably many more, but at least three simple starting sound effects. One is the ball colliding with the floor. So like mm-hmm. dropping the ball on the floor. Thump. Mm-hmm. Another one is the ball sliding down the lane, mm-hmm. whatever that sounds like. And then another one is the ball hitting the pins, and I guess maybe another one for the pins hitting each other and the pins hitting the floor. Mm-hmm. So five sounds. But really, I could do that with two sounds, sliding and thump. Right. is enough to, to prototype with. So I'm trying to figure out where those sounds live. And I'm thinking they, the lane and the floor need to hold the sound managers. So if you drop the ball on the floor, it should sound slightly differently than on the lane because it's different material. Like, you know, if I have carpet mm-hmm. where, you're, where you're bowling from or where you're standing where you're sitting around smoking and eating pizza, um, you've got carpet and you drop a ball over there, it should sound different than whatever it sounds like on the lane. And I'm, I'm basing that off of like games that I played where a first person character is walking and you hear the walking sound change when you leave the grass and go onto concrete, things like that. So I think the, the sound should actually be on the floors themselves. And then maybe when there's a collision, it checks the, the tag of the colliding object to see if it was a ball and plays the appropriate sound, something like that. Um, and then I'm guessing the pins could be the same way. The pins would hold a, uh, a sound object that checks the collision and say, is this a, a ball that I'm colliding with? Have I just hit the floor or have I hit another pin and play those sounds as needed? But I haven't really done enough with audio and Unity to really know if that's the right way to go about this or not. Like I know the steps to add all the audio components and play a sound, I just don't know like, where should these live? Yeah, so I was just looking in the uh, Ray Wenderlich book, uh, Unity Games by Tutorials, mm-hmm. and there's a section in Chapter 7 that had a model that I didn't like at first, but I've kind of grown to like, which was creating a sound manager object, which is then one kind of empty object that has connections to all the sounds. Okay. And then any object in the entire hierarchy can ask the sound manager to play a specific named sound. So then it's just a matter of checking for collisions on those objects, on the lane or the... Right. I guess you could do that on the ball at that point. The ball could check for collisions. It could. Which, or the pins could check for collisions. and Yeah, it's yeah. either the ball checks for collisions and then determines what it collided with, or the thing that you're hitting checks for collisions and notices that it's colliding with a ball. Yeah. Meh. Um, but with the sound manager, it just puts one place for all of those sounds to be collected. Yeah. I guess if I did it my way of like putting it on the lane and checking for ball tag that limits the number of variable limits the variability in sounds to just like checking for a type and playing a type of sound where if I put it on the ball, 
different balls with different abilities can have very different sounds at that point. As they hit the floor. Yeah. Yeah. I just think of the various um, cores in the slingshot thing in the lab. They all sound different. Mm-hmm. Uh, I Yeah, I get it. Putting it on the ball probably isn't that bad. I wonder. Um, I wonder. Valve will let me use tracer core as a bowling ball. <laughs> Actually, what you have to do is record yourself tra- saying tracer core. Tracer core. Um, I'll use that right there. <laughs> my sound sample. Yep. Just, just tell me what noises you need, Joe, and I'll make stupid noises with my mouth, and you can use them. Okay. So make a thumping sound. Thump. Okay. Make a rolling sound. See, this is a tough one. It requires kind of a consistency. I was actually thinking that you go and you steal the uh, giant spherical ball trap from the beginning of um, uh, Indiana Jones. (laughs) So sorry about that weird sound that maybe Future Joe will edit out. But uh, I feel like we're a real podcast now that Skype has dropped us in the middle of the podcast. <laughs> it just crashed for no reason. It, for me, it actually appears to have been that particular internet connection. Okay. So it's your fault. Um, so we're not a real podcast. Let's call it Wide Open West's fault. <laughs> okay. Um, okay. So you were trying to get a rumble noise and I was trying to tell you where I wanted you to go get the rubble noise. Did you get any of that? I got the Indiana Jones thing. But yeah. I said something along the lines of, I don't want to steal anybody else's intellectual property. Gotcha. So I was thinking maybe the rolling sound. I don't know. Can I just, can you just roll around on the floor? <laughs> uh, or maybe, maybe I'll just like, after the show, I'll go out in the kitchen and like roll a can of, tomatoes around the kitchen floor for a while there you go yeah foley art Mm -hmm. okay so then i need a sound for the pins hitting the ball man i mean not that one don't use that sound (laughs) um stop it man <laughs> the ball hits the pin and the pin's just like, man. <laughs> That's going in, definitely. <laughs> All you, Joe. Um, <laughs> the pins are just trying to chill and the ball's just in the way. Or Stop when you... it, man. Get out of here. <laughs> when you're uh, uh, rolling the can of tomatoes across your, your uh, kitchen floor, just drop the can once and record that noise and okay you'll be fine <laughs> anyway i think there's some uh there's some fun to be had with sound obviously oh yes yes the wrong sound is almost better than the right sound i just remember the reaction you got when you presented at cog with your <laughs> your uh boing and yes. jump sounds Boing, boing. Yeah, that one. <laughs> that times ten. When <laughs> oh, a a huge crowd of angry clowns all says "boing," slightly mm. offset from each other, it was yeah. lovely. It's like the Borg is having a glitch. <laughs> <laughs> the 
<laughs> the board goes silly. Yeah. So yeah, that's uh, I guess it's it for sound. Um, so what else do you think from day one? Like, I'm pretty happy with the progress. There's, I one of the big things that I noticed was, and this is just kind of a gotcha I need to keep in mind as I work on the Odyssey during development is it looks immaculate in the Samsung Odyssey. And then I put it on the Vive, like there's no anti-aliasing. It looks pretty rough. Um, and I'm not sure if that's me getting used to the higher resolution headset, but I could just see the jaggy lines everywhere. And mm -hmm. yeah, I just need to keep in mind like, hey, I need to actually turn these settings on. Mm. Um, no, I mean, once you've got sound, the next, I mean, to me, sound would be next, even if they're just placeholder sounds. Mm -hmm. Um, but just getting the sound system set up because the, the, you've got a physically reactive world and it's going to feel much more real as soon as those reactions start making some kind of noise, even if it's the wrong noise. Um, and then after that, it's, um, um, managing the pins, like managing mm -hmm. complete frames. If I've just bowled two balls, I don't actually need the reset. I, don't, I shouldn't have to press the reset button. Yeah. But that requires noticing that to keeping track of that count. And once you've got that, you can get into things like scoring. Mm -hmm. And as soon as you can keep track of, so you, you go from where you are now to tracking a complete frame to tr then being able to track 10 frames and calling it a game. And you've got kind of a game there. Yeah. And I think most of that, like, I think most of that is actually doable tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And then it's just a matter of uh, spending the rest of the week on the crazier ideas of like taking these pieces. So everything I'm building, everything as modular as possible. So I can just make new scenes, slap in a lane, maybe put two lanes on each side. So it looks like a wider area. Um, you have got the, the pivot points on them to allow for some decent snapping, things like that. And then, uh, I don't know, like I need, I want a place where you can teleport up to and pick your ball and then put that ball by your ball return and that becomes the setting mm -hmm. for the duration of your game. Just write that out to user preferences somewhere. Um, yeah, there's a lot to do with it. We've got a lot of ideas with it. And a lot of a lot of bowling themed but not quite bowling games to play with it. Mm -hmm. So this could turn into just basically the bowling equivalent of the lab. <laughs> <laughs> super bowl. No way that's taken. Yeah, super bowling. Hmm, super bowling. So the pins in the formation of the football players on the football field. The, they have a formation, right? Like they, they stand in a spot when they start? <laughs> uh, yes, though it's somewhat flexible. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, I got nothing. <laughs> we'll, we'll come back to that later. Yeah. So yeah, that's I mean that's pretty much it for day one on it. I didn't spend any time on it today. I wanted to just work on some other stuff and take some time to think. But I'll jump into it tomorrow and uh, basically get the rest of the core game mechanics up and running, and then 
spend the rest of the week just playing with variations of it. Yeah. No, I mean, with the progress that you've made so far, I don't see any problem, anything that should particularly get in your way for being able to demo something at COG. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to wait until, I think, the end of day Wednesday to, to sign up for the demo time. So I may not be able to do it if they run out of space, but I don't want to sign up early and not have something ready. So I want to make sure that I can actually have something interesting to present. And the the talk itself won't necessarily be about the game. I think mm -hmm. it'll be more about the fun, playful aspect of developing VR with you know a limited constraint because this has been a really fun thing to work on already. It's like just having not having to devise the entire rule set of the game is a huge weight off when I'm in this phase of like just really trying to get better at this skill of using Unity and using VR. Um, so removing that from the equation has kind of helped me speed up in other areas. Are, are you talking about because it's bowling and the rule set has already been defined or because you're yeah. leaving that all flexible for the future? Well, because bowling... Because it's bowling and the rules have already been assigned, and then I can just kind of play with those rules as needed rather than like the game I was just working on of like, I have an idea that I think is fun, but I haven't proved it yet. And then just trying to get to that point is right. much more difficult than like, I know bowling is fun. I've been bowling. Like, yeah. If you make a decent bowling, it will end up being fun. And even with the wonkiness that it is now, I still think it's fun. Like, I played for 45 minutes this morning. Mm -hmm. on the I was just going to do a quick test and I was in there for 45 minutes just <laughs> hitting the reset button yeah just don't fall into the, the Tetris trap <laughs> yeah just playing my game too much to make progress mm -hmm. so uh, the last quick topic um, at least the last quick topic that I had was uh GDC was this week. A lot of game developers made their annual pilgrimage out west to go to this massive conference. Unity had a big keynote. It's on YouTube. I think it's like an hour and 45 minutes long. I have not watched it yet. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at any of that yet. I haven't. Okay. So I was thinking maybe we could assign that as homework, even though we'll be a week late. Um, and then we'll talk about it next week. So I'll post a link to that in the show notes if anybody wants to watch and uh, kind of listen to our discussion about it next week. I'm not sure how much of it's going to be relevant to VR, so we'll probably you know just talk about the things that are really interesting to us. But I know they, as part of that process, they announced their roadmap for the year. So they've given a glimpse of what's ahead in the next couple of versions of Unity, and that's always interesting. So. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, I guess we'll send that from homework. Also, between now and the next time we record, Ready Player One is finally coming out. And I know a lot of people in the VR community have been kind of hoping for a while now that maybe this movie will do something to kind of get VR in the mainstream consciousness. And I'm one of those people that share that opinion. So fingers crossed. Hopefully it's not a bad movie. <laughs> um, and... Uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll be fun either way. I'm not a, I'm not particularly critical of movies, but uh, hopefully it's good and hopefully it's popular and people 
don't take it too seriously. I think there's a risk of that happening as well. Like, oh, look at VR. This is what VR is. I'm going to go get an Oasis headset too. Wait a second. I, uh, Vive. That's close enough, right? This will get me in the Oasis. What do you mean Vive port? What's Vive port? Where's the Oasis? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just hope it doesn't set expectations too high and people realize that it, it's sci-fi at this point. Like, we're getting there, but... It's not quite another reality yet. Yeah. So that's all I have, Dave. Anything else from you? Uh, no, that covered my last topic. Well, that's our show for today. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm VRHermit underscore Dave. And I'm VRHermit underscore Joe. Thanks for listening.